Happy Mother's Day. The baby bottle. If you were here, la- if you weren't here last year, you don't know why I have a baby bottle up here. So I'm going to tell you. Last year we start. We didn't start this, but we participated with the Pregnancy Resource Center. City. This is their baby bottle fundraiser, and this is not an official, real, you know, drink. There's actually money in this one. There's a slot on top. There's some instructions inside. But the idea is that um, if you would like to help support the Pregnancy Research Center, we have at each door when you go out these bottles, you take one and between now and Father's Day, fill it up with loose change. Uh, Put bills in there. Put um, checks in there. There's instructions on, on what you need to do. Um, and I have to say, it was very exciting because last year when we told her how many she wanted, it was like about 10 times more than she thought we were going to take. Um, we set a record for money raised for the Pregnancy Resource Center through this last year. Let's do it again this year. And so you have between now and Father's Day, they help um, young mothers, in many in very difficult situations, have, hel- have helped hundreds, many of them from Journey North even, over the, the years that they've been doing this. So it says a little change changes lives, and it really does. So I will remember, hopefully, to say that again at the end, right before we leave, so that um, uh, we can, each of you can grab one, you can grab two if you want. But between now and Father's Day, we fill those up. So we're in a series, and we're in, I think it's part six in this series, and the question we've been asking is, what's the big deal about church? And we've asked that because there are many people who have that question. Maybe people you know have asked that question. Maybe there have been times when you've had that question. But today, the idea for today is this. We're going to talk about big answers. The church has big answers, but the question is today, does the church matter? Because if you ask people, there's a lot of people around who because of past, because of experience, because of things that have happened to them that probably haven't been good, their answer might not be the same as mine. Because when I hear the question, does the church matter? It's an emphatic, yes, the church matters. And I'm not just talking about Journey North Church, I'm talking about the church. We've been talking about the church. We are stewards in in the church of the message of life, eternal life. But we're also stewards of a message of a better life. 2,000 years ago, people poured into the streets around an unbelievable idea. And that idea was Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died for our sins, was buried, but He rose again. He appeared to people. He saw them. He was alive. He conquered the grave. And this idea, this movement spread throughout the Roman world. It survived that ancient Judaism. It survived Rome. Okay, But other than the message of the forgiveness of sin and a right standing with God, does the church really matter? Do we make a difference? If the church would cease to exist... Would it make a difference? Has the church over these two millennia contributed? And the answer is a resounding yes. Because the church has big answers to the the big questions for this life. The church is the steward of big answers to big problems that plague the world and have for thousands of years. Our culture far more Christianized than most people know. Most recently, um, I read uh, 
the Chinese have discovered this. David Aikman was the former um, Beijing bureau chief for Time magazine. He is, he's a lecturer at Harvard. He's written over 15 books. He's interviewed people such as Mother Teresa, Manuel Noriega, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Boris Yeltsin, Billy Graham. This is big time. He was interviewing a Chinese social scientist who was indoctrinated in the Mao, of Mao philosophy, who had, he'd studied in the West. And here's what he said. This is quoted in Philip Yancey's book, um, What Good is God? In 2009, the human rights organization Freedom Watch certified, of all the countries in the world, 89 countries as free. Of all the countries in the world, there was only 89 that were certified as free. Of those 89, 81 of them were predominantly or historically Christian. Christianity has made a huge difference in this world. There's a book called Does God Matter? It's about Christianity and capitalism. And it says this, for, capital, for capitalism to work, it requires a conscience. That's why America has worked for 2,000 years. It may not always, but that's why it has worked, because the church has made a difference. The problem is, as Americans, we mistakenly think that it's just a, it's our human nature that informs those con our consciences and those values that we have. And that's just human nature. Everybody has that. Um, but the truth is, Christianity has actually shaped the values and the conscience of our nation. That's where we got that. Because what seems good, what seems natural and good to us is really not natural at all. You know what natural means? Natural means of nature. It's of nature. Here's what I know about nature. Nature is violent. There is no, there is no fairness or compassion in nature. In nature, might makes right. The powerful rule the less powerful. In nature, tornadoes rip through neighborhoods. Earthquakes devastate nations. Hawaii experiences volcanoes that destroy things. There are tsunamis. Nature is destructive and violent. I was going to show a video and I decided not. Um, because it, it's not only it would it be a little bit too much for you, it was a little bit too much for me. You can look it up later. Go to YouTube and look up a lion kill in Africa. I, I watched a couple of these, but I wasn't even able to finish. The lions, this is natural. It's nature. Lion chases this thing down, rips it apart, and eats it alive. The other animals wait in line. You know, the other lions, there's hyenas and vultures and jackals, and they kind of wait in line when the lion's done, wanders away, and the other ones come in. When the lion wants more, he comes back and the, other, the others scatter. There is no sharing in nature. And, and I said, I'll show you the video, but it's just not for the faint of heart. So I don't know if you want to watch it before or after you eat, or probably not at all. Just trust me on this one. There is no forgiveness in nature. There is no grace in nature. There is no generosity in nature. And there is very little sharing. And guess what? Human nature isn't any better. We like to think it is, but it's not. 
I want to show you just a, a very small sampling of what human nature brings. I'm going to show these up on the screen. Racism, adultery, cheating, lying, slavery, first come, first serve, an eye for an eye. The list could go on. We could just go on and on all day with a list of here's what human nature is. Here's what we are capable of. Paul, Saul, who was called Paul, the guy that we've talked about here, who was at the forefront of the early church movement, went out and planted all those churches. He talked about this whole idea of natural and normal. And he describes for us what natural and normal is. We're going to be in Galatians 5 today. And in verse 16, he says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. He's talking about having the Spirit. He's talking about walking in the Spirit, following the Spirit, letting the Spirit of God guide our lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, what is natural to us. You see, every single person on the planet has a sinful nature. We are by nature selfish and sinful. And if you don't believe me, watch your kids. Because I don't know of anybody who had to teach their kids to be selfish. Little Johnny's sharing too much. We should teach him to be selfish and self-centered. <laughs> that doesn't happen. We spend our whole lives trying to teach people not to do that. Here's what he says. We have that sinful nature. Um, when you become a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit can guide your life. But you'll still have that sinful nature. But you also get a new nature. And they will fight constantly. I know that because that's what happens in me. But if you don't have Jesus, all you have is that sinful nature. And he says, here's the thing. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He's saying, we all know what we would do naturally if we could get away with it. We know what we're tempted to do. We know what we're capable of doing. And he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And then he's going to list some of it for us. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. He's talking about excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. And he just lists some of them. He says, idolatry. And when you think idolatry, don't necessarily think of kneeling down before a wooden or stone statue. He's talking about putting things before people. Or putting things before God. So we, we are susceptible. The results are clear when we follow our own nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Another translation uses the word witchcraft. And the idea there is power for personal gain. That's what it was all about. It was getting that power for yourself, for personal gain. He talks about um, hostility and quarreling and jealousy, and everybody struggles with this at one time or another. You know, you're not skinny enough, you're not rich enough, you don't have this, you don't have that, that person has this, this person has that, and you see that, and, and we struggle with those types of things. He says, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. The next two are actually kind of combined. Drunkenness and wild parties. In the original, they're combined. One translation says drunkenness and orgies. And it's like, yeah, that's probably a little bit of what it's talking about. But really, he's saying when drunkenness is the issue, there's going to be wild parties and behavior that probably shouldn't be happening. He said that's what happens when we follow our natural inclinations. 
But I love the way he concludes this section because he's, he doesn't want us to think this list is exhaustive. And he says, and other sins like these. So just in case you didn't get that that list was bad things, some of you are like, oh, that looks like a fun list. <laughs> Those are sins. And he says, when you follow what you're naturally inclined to do, that's what will happen. The results will be clear. He says, all those things on the list and other sins like these. And you know what that is? That's human nature. That's human nature. That's humankind without a God-informed conscience. And I know, because you're probably a lot like me, that you have experienced something pulling you in those directions at times. Because that's what happens. That's what's natural. You see, we have laws in our country to rein all those things in. Or, or we wouldn't even survive each other. But even though we have all those laws, we still do those things. Those things still happen because that's what natural is. He goes on then in verse 22, but, and this is one of the big buts in the Bible, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, this passage, some people have, have, have kind of misinterpreted this a little because in some of the translations it says the fruit of the Spirit. This is what happens in the nat- when you just follow nature, when you follow your natural desires. He gives that other list. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, that's how it says in some of the translations, and some people have mistakenly thought, well, that's what I got to do. I got to try to have those things be part of my life. It doesn't say that. That's why I like this translation. The fruit of the Spirit means the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, the same Holy Spirit that we talked about that launched the church 2,000 years ago, the Spirit that if you're a follower of Jesus and have claimed Him as Savior, the Spirit that lives in you, the Spirit that informs your conscience, that wars with nature, that pushes you beyond you. When you have the Spirit... He produces this kind of fruit in your life instead of the other list that we saw. So the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't know about you, but I read that list and it's like, yep, I'd like more of that. I would like more of that. And I love the way he ends it. He says, there is no law against these things. Because all the other things we have to make laws against. This, there is no law. And by the way, this is the kind of fruit that the Spirit produces. And this is Mother's Day. You realize most mothers have tried their whole lives to produce this in us too. That's why they say the things they do and do the things they do, because they want this in our lives as well. But this list, he says, there's no laws against these things. He's saying, you can't overdo it. You know, you you don't have to hold back. It's not like, oh, I think I'm loving too much. I better slow down with that. You don't even need self-control with any of these things. You don't have to hold back because what comes naturally requires rules and laws to regulate it. What comes from God doesn't. You don't have to worry about having moderation in joy or moderation in love. That's the kind of thing the Spirit wants to produce in us. That's the thing that we can't stir up. Now, I'm not saying that without God, you can't have any of that. You can have a little of that. 
You can have a little of this and a little of this, but you're not going to have that as fruit that spills out in your life and people recognize that in you without the Holy Spirit because that's not natural. You see, the ethic, the morality of Christianity is superior. The message of the church is superior to the message of nature. The message of the church is also superior to the message of of human cultures. Christians have never believed that all cultures are equal because they're not. We believe that the ethic and the morality of the church is better than ancient Rome where might made right and they could do anything they wanted because they were the biggest and strongest. We believe that the message of the church is better than Greek culture of that day where they had their caste system where if you were born here, you would never be here. And these people could treat you any way they wanted to because that was the law. They could do that. We believe that Christianity is superior to that. We believe it's also better than many modern cultures. It's superior to a culture that says a father can murder his daughter for disgracing her family. That is legal in some cultures. That's not what Christianity teaches. Christianity teaches forgiveness. That there is, a, there is a bigger standard. We believe that it's superior to a culture that says it's okay to neglect the poor so that we don't impact their experiences in the next life when they get reincarnated. There's cultures that say that. Oh, they were born that way as part of this life, but their next life is going to be better. So don't mess with that. Don't help them. And they use that as an excuse to not help the poor. We believe that it's superior to a culture that says boys are of more value than girls. Because that's not true. In God's eyes, we are all valuable. And the cultures that teach those things, that's inferior to the message of Christianity and of the church. And the message of the church is a message that should continue to shape as well as reshape American culture. Because it's the church that teaches the things that we need to know. It's the church that teaches... I have a list. I just picked eight things. And um, I'm going to say that these things are eight of the things that the church teaches. It's just disclaimer at the beginning. If any of this offends you, I'm sorry. Not, Not really. I didn't make up the rules. I'm just telling you. Okay? I'm just the messenger. So don't shoot the messenger. It's the church that teaches... Every single person that you lock eyes with is made in the image of God and has value and should be treated accordingly. Every single person. It's it's really only the church that teaches that. It's the church that teaches the powerful should serve the powerless and not the other way around. That that influence was given for a reason. It's only the church that teaches that. It's the church that teaches that we forgive because God has forgiven us. That's not natural or intuitive. We don't want that. We want the person who did wrong to pay, especially when they did wrong to us. It's the church that teaches forgiveness literally lets the guilty walk while the innocent pay because that's really what forgiveness is. When somebody wrongs me, and they've literally wronged me, legitimately wronged me, they've done something wrong, and I forgive them, you know what I do? I choose to live with the consequences of someone else's mistake. That's what forgiveness is. 
Forgiveness is not saying, oh, you really didn't do wrong. You did. But I'm choosing to live with that and to forgive you because God forgave me. It's only Christianity that teaches that. Christianity, the church, teaches that we give back. We give to those who can never give back. What nature teaches us is you give to somebody who can someday help you out. Or you do this so that they can help you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll help you because I know that that's going to help me and we want people to see that. Christianity teaches you, you help people, especially people who can never help you back. Especially when nobody's looking. Because that's just what we do. That's what love is. It's the church that teaches husbands are to love their wives sacrificially. No other culture comes up with that on their own. the, The church, Christianity, is the one who says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You love your wife as much as Jesus loved the church and he died for her. It's only the church that teaches that. Husbands, that's the kind of love you need for your wives. It's only the church that teaches sex. It's so funny. Same thing happened in first service. The minute I say that word, six, eight, ten heads go up. You weren't listening before that, but you heard the word sex and you looked up. It's the church that teaches sex is reserved for marriage. It's not just physical, like in nature. It's not about being responsible. It's about doing it God's way. And when we do it God's way, number one, it's way better. And it causes way less problems. It's the church that teaches tolerance. We hear a lot about tolerance. But it's the church that teaches tolerance is not enough. We need love. It's not just about tolerance. It's about actively loving. And it's the church that continues to draw attention to the fact that abortion is not a solution. It's not an answer. It not only takes a human life, it almost always scars the soul of a woman. And it's the church that has continually been at the forefront of that. That's like a little teeny part of what the church teaches that the rest of culture doesn't by nature get? What if suddenly, just the things that we've mentioned, what if all of that teaching, what if all of those ideas that we mentioned suddenly disappeared because there was no church? There was no Christianity and Christian teaching. What if all of a sudden the values of the church vanished from society? Do you know, you don't have to look too far back in history to see what that looks like. You think of Soviet Russia. And you see what happens when God is removed from everything and what happens to the people and what happens to the, the, the people who cannot defend themselves and what happens to the, the, the poorest of people. You see what happens in the society when you remove those godly values from it. We look around today and we see nations today that... They, they baffle us with their disregard for human rights. How can they do that, we think? They can do that because they don't have that connection. Those values come from the church. They come from God. Christianity is what has put those values into the world. And when they lose that connection, they lose those values. 
our country has had those values. They're in danger of going away as they have in many other societies and cultures. And people think, well, we're just removing the restraints and everything will be good. It's like, why don't you look at every other society in the history of the world that has removed those things and see how they ended up. And it's not what you think. So the question is, does the church matter? Yes. It's far more than Sunday morning we go and have coffee and treats and say hi to somebody and go home. It's far more than that. We are stewards of the message of eternal life. We're stewards of the message of a better life. And for that reason alone, we dare not continue to turn our backs on our culture and on our country. We need to be walking by that Spirit, being guided by that Spirit and having that fruit of the Spirit flow out of our lives into a country and a culture that desperately needs those things. It's time for the church to re-engage at every level because our message is a message of life. So does the church matter? Yeah. We're stewards of the message of eternal life. And we're stewards of a message that brings life. We talked about the fruit that the Spirit produces in a person's life. It says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things that will not only change society, they will change you. That's the fruit that the Spirit produces. That is only possible when you have the Spirit. You can have little smatterings of those things. But you can't have it to the measure you're designed to have it without the Spirit because it's the Spirit that produces that. The only way to have God's Spirit is to be in God's family. The only way is to realize what Jesus did on the cross was die and pay for your sins. You, you couldn't. He took care of it. And you acknowledge, yep, I'm a sinner. My sin, I don't have to look very far in my life to see that. But Jesus died to take care of that. And by believing that he did that and trusting in him and receiving him as my savior, I get into God's family. I get into heaven on his ticket. I get that Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and that power in my life so that that can produce that fruit in my life. So the only way to have that is to have the spirit. But if you have the spirit because you've accepted Jesus, the only way for that to happen in your life is to be led by the spirit. It's not about coming to church on Sunday. Is that good? Yeah, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't. But it's not the only thing. We have to walk with him daily. Spend time with him in his word. Talk to him. Let him talk to us. And we need to walk and be led by the Spirit. And we will begin to see those things come up in our lives. And it won't happen all at once. You turn to Jesus today, tomorrow, you're not going to see all that fruit of the Spirit in your life and everything's there and you're good to go now. But here's what will happen. Down the road, you'll encounter a bad, something bad will happen. I hate to tell you that, but it will. It does to everybody. But you will have been moving with God and you'll, you'll look back and you'll say, you know what, there was a time when I wouldn't have responded like that. There was a time when I wouldn't have been able to experience the kind of joy that I'm experiencing in the middle of a trial like this. And you'll realize it's not something you mustered up. It's something the Spirit produced in your life as fruit because you have been led by the Spirit 
and have been guided and walking with the Spirit. But that's only possible when you have the Spirit. I'd like you to bow your heads as we close. I know, Father, that there's people listening to this that they they get the church thing a little bit, but they struggle with that because maybe they've been burned by the church. We know that in the last 2,000 years, there have been many examples that weren't quite so shining examples uh, of of the church. But we know, Father, that that's because your message got co-opted. Your message um, was used to justify um, wars and, and slavery and bad things. But we know, Father, that there has always been that group. There has always been that group of people that believed that the church was a movement. It was a movement centered on the fact that Jesus was who he said he was, that he died for us, that he was buried, but that he rose again. He appeared to people, and he wants to appear to us and to be our Savior as well. And there has always been that group of people who have believed that. They have been led by the Spirit, and that fruit of the Spirit has come out in their lives, and it has changed the world in which we live. So I pray, Father, that if anybody is struggling with that this morning, they're still checking you out, that maybe in simple faith today, they would say, I believe Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I believe that you came and died for me. I believe that you rose again. And I not only believe those facts, but that I, I, I receive you as my Savior. I trust you, knowing that at that moment they become a child of God, a child of the King, that they get the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. They get him in their lives to help them daily. And Father, for anybody here who's, they've already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, but they've been led by more natural things and not by your spirit. That this morning would be the time that they say, it's time for me to start spending that time with you to walk with the spirit so that is produced in my life as well. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing here in us and through us. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. You know, Christianity, you know that's from Christian. And you know what Christian is from. Christian was originally used as a derogatory term. They called them Christians first at Antioch. And what it meant is, you're just like little Christs. What a better compliment. It's all about Jesus. And so here's what you need to do. If you don't know him, you need to meet him today. If you know him, you need to follow the Spirit, be led by the Spirit so that he can produce that fruit in your life so that people will look at you and say, you're just like Jesus. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. And so let's show what the church can do. One of the ways we can do that is helping the Pregnancy Resource Center the baby bottle fundraiser. At each door, there's plenty of these. If you think you're going to be really good over the next couple weeks and have a lot of change, take two. We bring them back on Father's Day and turn them in. Do that. It will help tremendously to literally save lives. So when when somebody talks to you at Walmart, you can say, did I save a life today? Yes, I did. (laughs) I got this. So... Happy fishing, I mean, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. And on your way out, if you'd like, you can go out there and come back in, or you can go down this way. There's a photo booth. If you'd like a picture taken, you can take a selfie, or they have um, 
somebody taking pictures there, you can get a Mother's Day photo taken or whatever kind of photo you want. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that your love was demonstrated. And I pray, Father, that for those of us who know Jesus, that we would be be guided, led by your Spirit, that we would walk by the Spirit and have that fruit produced in our lives so that we would continue to change this community, this culture, and this world for Jesus. And I pray, Father, for anybody who doesn't know Jesus, that it's been about religion or rules or regulations or, or just simply church, that today they would realize it's about a relationship with you and that turning from their way of doing things, turning from their sin and turning to Jesus and accepting what he did for them as payment for their sin, that they could come into that relationship with you and have that same power that raised Jesus from the dead and that that name would be on their lips now and through all of eternity, the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. And it is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.